Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by UNA, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Julia Braun. Julia has over 25 years of experience across all indirect spend categories, managed and outsourced services with a focus on negotiations for software, cloud services, and professional services. Today, she heads up the procurement function for HighSpot. So uh, hi, Julia. Thank you for being with me today. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. I shared a little bit about your background and expertise in my intro, but what else do you think it's helpful for people to know about your professional journey to this point? Yes, uh, like many people in procurement, it, it was accidental that I landed there. Uh, <laughs> I started as a paralegal in the law department of a bank um, and then um, uh, joined the sourcing organization at that bank, um, negotiating technology uh, contracts, telecom hardware, software. Um, and uh, that that journey uh, took me from banking through um, retail and uh, technology um, and a number of other industry verticals, uh, and then ultimately to the Pacific Northwest here, where I've worked with iconic brands like Nordstrom, Microsoft, Washington Mutual, and now Highspot. I also, um, while at Microsoft, was responsible for managing and also expanding the global contingent workforce program. Um, and that was that was a, a very fascinating journey. And we launched the program in seven additional countries during my tenure with wow. Microsoft. I then left and went to work for Tapfin, a manpower group solutions company, both here in the US and, and even over in Australia for a couple of years. Um, on the other side of the contingent workforce management equation. Well, it's interesting that you bring up contingent workforce. That's where we're going to spend a little bit of time today. And it's it's not new, right? But given the larger context of what's happening, labor trends, working from home, I heard recently they've declared the great resignation officially over. <laughs> so there's all of these sort of macro trends around not only talent from the employee's side, but the different kinds of ways that companies are looking to access and ensure that they have the right kind of talent. How would you say that the management of this category of spend is being affected by some of these larger trends? I think, you know, the last six, 10 months have been particularly challenging. There have been a lot of um, hiring freezes and more more layoffs uh, across, particularly the tech industry has been hit really hard. Um, but in general, a lot of layoffs in, in other uh, industry verticals as well. When that happens, in the past, we have often seen um, an increase in the number of contingent workers being hired. Uh, when layoffs happen, often 
the work doesn't go away and someone needs to do it. So companies will kind of backfill with that contingent staffing. It hasn't happened that way to the same degree this mm-hmm. time around. Um, the last six months or so, there was a, a truly a pause on hiring of really any any kind of worker Um That said, in recent months, I'm starting to see contingent workforce hiring picking back up uh, to to backfill for the the layoffs. Um, But I'm also seeing that labor uh, engagement picking up in lower labor cost geographies outside of the U.S. Mm -hmm. So India continues to be a popular source for tech talent, but I'm also seeing an increased focus on South and Central America for its proximity to U.S. time zones and a growing talent pool there for contingent labor. Well, given all of these different options and how they sort of ebb and flow between external people and then people that are hired to work in-house, are you seeing also an indication that procurement is working more closely with human resources? Have there been any interesting changes or, or evolutions in that particular relationship? I am seeing uh, HR leaning into the contingent space. Um, traditionally, in the past, they really focused their energy on employees and employee uh, compensation and benefits, et cetera, retention, recruitment. Um, and, and again, in the past, preferred to be fairly hands-off um, due to the perceived risk of um, you know, misclassification mm-hmm. and, and looking at contingent workers in the same way as an FTE. However, lately, uh, I'm seeing both HR and finance um, really leaning into this space, uh, particularly from a headcount planning and a budgeting okay. perspective. Um, not so much the management, but being involved in the process in terms of visibility of the hiring in the non-FTE space for a company. Now, we talked about procurement collaborating with HR, and one of the areas that I'm wondering if it's a a possible opportunity for everybody to win is where talent and contingent workforce meet companies' DEI goals. So usually within procurement, this is a supplier diversity program where regardless of the product or service you're buying, you're looking at the certified diversity status of the individual or individuals that own that business. But when we move into contingent workforce, it almost feels like there's an opportunity to make some progress there, not just based on who owns the company, but also on the people who work for it. I'd be curious if you'd experienced this or, or seen any leading practices around how companies are leveraging or looking to that relationship between procurement and human resources to try to move the diversity goal needle through contingent workforce and, and third-party talent. Yes, um, I have. Procurement um, it has been focused on diversity spend for uh, at least 20 years uh, from from my experience. Um, so I feel like we've been a leader in that space before DEI um, became a, a function in, in the corporate world. Um, and certainly the contingent workforce 
spend category is a really great place to look for increasing your diversity spend. Many staffing agencies, a, a, a surprising number, are diversity-owned businesses, which make uh, make it you know possible to increase that spend in this space. Um, but as you touched upon, I, I also like to focus on not just diversity ownership, but working with firms that specialize and emphasize the recruitment and placement of diverse candidates themselves so that your workforce um, represents your community and is itself diverse across all of the headcount, whether it's FTE uh, or contract labor. Um, and, and there are a number of really strong firms that, that do this, um, whether it's, um, you know, BIPOC or L, LG, LGBTQ plus or um, uh, neurodiverse candidates yes. is an interesting space that I see uh, growing with a positive focus. Um, so it's, it's a really exciting time to, to, uh, work with those kinds of firms. I would think it would be an exciting opportunity simply to learn from them. You know, it's it's been so hard for procurement around diversity because in most cases, we're not the ones making the decision. So on the one hand, we can go find certified diverse suppliers. We can pre-qualify them. We can coach them to help them through the process. But at the end of the day, we're not the ones voting what percent of the spend necessarily goes to any given business, which I, you know, is frustrating for procurement, is frustrating for the supplier. It feels like maybe when you break the decision-making process down into a greater number of smaller hiring or, or workforce or talent level decisions, it's not only an opportunity for procurement to start driving change, but also you mentioned all of these different groups who have expertise around a certain diverse category. How wonderful to get the opportunity to speak with people that are well-versed in those areas that are potentially diverse business owners themselves and simply to learn from their experience and then channel that feedback back into procurement's more traditional management of, of supplier diversity. Yes, completely agree. Now, when we think about, we've sort of touched on the human side. Let's think about the tech side for a minute. Uh, it seems like a law these days. You can't have a conversation in procurement if it doesn't involve something digital. So how is technology, or maybe what I should ask is, what are sort of the latest best practices or platform developments that you're seeing making inroads within contingent workforce um, or potentially changing how companies manage and balance out their total talent pool? Um, you know, there are the, the VMS vendor management system platforms have been out there for quite a while. And there are uh, a couple of really big players in that space that have um, captured the market or all but captured the market. But I've seen in, in uh, I'd say the last five years, um, an increase in the number of newer, smaller, agile, more modern VMS technology coming into the market. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's much more uh, user-friendly and um, more I, pleasing on the eye than some of the old technology. Um, and I, and I find that really interesting. 
um, many very large Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 companies are are hesitant to switch off of the 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 known big platforms and take a, a gamble on some of these new players. But I think if you're a small or medium business, mm-hmm. um, that this is a time to explore those up and comers. I think um, on another front, of course, AI is all the rage and all that anybody's talking about. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> and I know that um, many of the recruitment or ATS platforms and, and recruiting services are, are leveraging AI to screen incoming resumes against posted job descriptions and make decisions about you know candidate quality, um, looking at word match and the like. Um, my concern with that is again that you, you can't fully remove or you shouldn't fully remove human interaction in this process. Um, you know it, it, it's it's irreplaceable in terms of determining actual cultural fit of a human being versus a, a piece of paper. Um, so I'm. I'm cautious about, you know, how folks are, are using that AI. Um, and it's, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Well, and it's interesting as you start to think about, you know, certainly the first round tends to be, okay, there's this new technology. How can we use it to help us improve our performance, do our jobs, be more efficient, but there's sort of this cat and mouse. I experience it on the the written content side of things where I say, okay, this can help me with some type or level of task. But then you instantly get into the situation where SEO catches up, for instance. And so they may be suppressing content or web pages that scream that they've been created by generative AI. I can see a similar dynamic starting on the talent side where as you get to some kind of established norm around the role that AI can play in this matching process, people might start optimizing their resumes, their LinkedIn profiles, you know, whatever they fill out on job hiring sites, if they actually fill out a a separate sort of profile, you could see potentially optimizing that to try to make sure that they're the ones that get picked by the search. So it's it's going to be an interesting thing to watch, but I wholeheartedly agree with you. You need that human touch in there. Yes, I think you're exactly right. Candidates um, and job seekers are going to have to get smart about leveraging AI for themselves so that the, and, and customizing their resume, maybe role by role in order to, mm-hmm. to outsmart the AI on the other side. Now, Julia, one of the traditions we have here at The Sourcing Hero, this is something that every single guest goes through the first time they're here. So we're about to bring you into the fold, The Sourcing Hero community. I'm going to give you two questions, and it's entirely up to you which one you choose to answer. And there are no wrong answers. We've had responses across the map. Uh, So let me give you your two options. The first one is, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? And the other is, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context? Okay. Well, uh, I guess I'll take the second uh, half of that, the second question. Um, You know, 
all too often heroism on the job is is someone rising to the occasion in a crisis and moving heaven and earth to make the impossible possible. Um, you get lots of kudos and acknowledgement for for that level of effort. Um, but it, it eventually leads to burnout if it's a standard operating procedure to always be in fire drill mode um, or to be, you know, a crisis junkie. <laughs> um, a real hero, I think, in a business context is, is, you know, looking strategically and proactively at what's coming down the pike and working in collaboration with your internal stakeholders, the business owners, to, to know what's coming around the next corner and, and looking forward with them to minimize those fire drills. It's a, it's a different level of work effort. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is very valuable and I think appreciated by all aspects of the business in the long run. Well, I love your point about not being a, a crisis junkie. I think we've we've all lived in such crisis for the last few years that there is a sense that we need to sort of, okay, let's just exhale, right? We, we need to not be panicked about the fact that we're not panicked in every moment. It doesn't mean we're missing something. It means we've had some level of return to, to if not normal, at least something a little bit more sane. Um, if people have listened in to this conversation and would like to connect with you, would like to reach out and learn more about your experience and the work that you've done, what is the best way for listeners to connect? Yeah, absolutely. I would suggest um, look me up on LinkedIn, Julia Braun, B-R-A-U-N, um, and message me if you want to talk further. Thank you so much, Julia. I appreciate you being here with me. Thank you, Kelly. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.